what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Brothers in Tech is a weekly podcast focused on personal and home technology, helping provide you, our fellow brothers and sisters in tech, with some information, assistance, and recommendations. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Brothers in Tech here on the Mesh.tv podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson. I am the person you're seeing on the left-hand side of your screen if you're watching on video. If you're listening on audio, I don't think you'll hear any difference because we're not like recording in stereo or anything. So I'm, I'm over right here. In the middle. I'm over here. Brian, that, that other work? voice you hear, that is if you're watching on TV, he's on the right side. Otherwise, the voice is just blended in with mine. That is my brother, <laughs> Brian Jackson. Brian, how you doing? I'm I'm good. I'm, I enjoyed that quick you know explanation um mm-hmm. it was it was good you know you people get you're, confused a sure. lot. You're, you're, you're the really color man you're the color man you are i've, you're I've got to make sure everybody on. knows where everybody is yeah i to make sure they know who's who <laughs> who's talking about who yep. um, what we do and um this is brothers in tech brian and i get together every week to talk technology you know, personal family home technology uh, we get into the stuff that people use every day, the kind of technology that helps people uh, live a better life, I like to say. And uh, Ooh, every week yeah. we get together, we tackle some topic of technology. We either dig into some new technology that's coming in that we like to explore a little bit, or maybe uh, recap or give a kind of nice primer on some different categories of technology. Um, but Brian, every few weeks, I think we try to do it once a month. We have a, an episode that's dedicated to nothing but our suggestions. These are recommendations, pieces of technology that we want to recommend to people. We want to suggest to people, and they're called the Brothers in Tech Suggestions. Which are? Um, that is, the acronym is B-I-T-S, which is BITS, which, um, you know, the name may sound pretty Pretty, pretty rudimentary, you know, the brothers and tech suggestions, but the acronym is what makes it work bits. And that obviously for a tech show that works really nice. I give, I still give you credit, Brian, for coming up with the acronym. I think that was really clever. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I appreciate any time that I can make you say it again. Um, Every week I spend a really a lot of time trying to come up with something better because I would really love to come up with something better to replace your idea. But I'll, honestly, I haven't, I haven't gotten there yet. So yep. yours is still yep. the best option we've got for this at the moment. So. You are welcome. And, and everyone listening out there is welcome as well. And uh, so, yeah, the fact that the fact that you cannot come up with anything better pretty much makes, makes my day and makes my, this time, this time of the month and we record this is, uh, is really one of my favorite pieces because I get to, to hear you say that, that I came up with something, pretty awesome and you cannot come up with anything better and all right so now that that's done and out of the way i've checked off that box for the month no 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 um, let's talk about it a little bit more you want to talk about some more or <laughs> not really i think i'm good <laughs> ready to move all right on. well let's get to I'm let's get to the bits you know cool. our shows we have to keep these tight we are so focused <laughs> on our time we are we are laser focused on. Laser, are focus. laser focus on our time we got to get going man <laughs> Time's a ticking. Um, these are brothers and tech suggestions episode. So Brian and I both bring to the table 
some pieces or forms of technology we'd like to recommend. Typically, it's a technology we've been trying out lately, or maybe we've had for a while, and we just realized we need to bring it in as a recommendation. It could be a website. It could be an app. It could be a gadget. It could be a tool. It could be a home automation device. It could be service. Yep. Services, mm-hmm. anything, and just as long as it's in the technology field. And um, earlier tonight, uh, I took our mother – I have to remind myself it is our mother uh, out for dinner because it's her birthday tomorrow. Brian, you remember that, right? Yeah, I do. I do. Thank you. you do I do remember, remember that after after you sent me the text of of you both, an image of you both together, yeah. enjoying time together. Yeah, I do that. I do remember I do that, that now. I have <laughs> to kind of rub that in because I, I, I am near our parents, so I tend to be the one to get to enjoy their time taking them out for dinner. You get to see them over a... <laughs> Somewhat blurry FaceTime video. Um, which is, <laughs> this is almost just as good, I'm sure. Um, so I had a really, they, really they certainly, th- they certainly think so. They, they, they really appreciate the fact that they get to see me on FaceTime and uh, and maybe not have to get pestered by me daily. So, right. mm-hmm. um, but let's. Uh, I was going to recommend an old fashioned as my bits for tonight, <laughs> and I didn't think I don't know if it counts as technology or not. But I had a really good old fashioned at the restaurant where we ate dinner. So I, uh, really? I, was, I actually was going to text you. I'm like, Brian does do mixed drinks. If they were, maybe if the order that I placed to get one utilized some form of technology to place the order, does that count? Does that make the drink count? Did you, did yeah. you use a credit card to pay for them? Because I did. There was was some form of technology in your checkout, I'm sure. It was a credit card, and actually it was with a a touchless, like, you know, uh, system. So that's super technology. So, yeah, Yeah, my my recommendation tonight might be uh, be my drink. (laughs) Yeah, it was really good. It was really good. Well, I took um, my I took my mother in law out wine tasting today. Oh, that's so right. Both yeah, the yeah. both of us have been have been consuming. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, I guess I did a, a touchless payment as well. So there we I go. say, you know, we could easily we could easily make this thing go off the rails pretty quickly if we wanted to. <laughs> both of us <laughs> having drinks with our mothers in one way, shape, or form. Yep. And uh, yep. getting together now nice. to talk technology. It's fun. It's fun. <laughs> Um, hey, Brian, before we, before we get into our bits, can we, uh, explore just a couple quick items? Sure. You want to talk about email again or, you yes. know. <laughs> <laughs> I am still using the, Hey, did you see, uh, the CEO of missive wrote us? No. See that? No, seriously. No. Yeah. Really? So okay. Missive, the email program that I, I decided on and made a whole episode about two episodes ago. Um, <laughs> Actually, I've been talking about email for like four or five weeks and uh, spent like exactly. an entire 45 minutes singing the praises of this email program missive that I'm now using, which I'm still mm-hmm. using, still loving. It's all great. But uh, yeah, the uh, the president and developer of missive uh, wrote us and uh, just said, thanks for the shout out. Appreciate it. And um, just wanted to remind us because I think he he heard us mention about how we would really love for there to be access to Facebook Messenger personal Mm, uh, profiles right. and missive and he wrote specifically to say hey just as a heads up you know face that's just not possible with facebook personal accounts okay. letting us know that that's not a limitation of missive that is a facebook limitation nobody can get access to those outside of that so appreciate him writing about that it was nice so i appreciate yeah. you listening um, there wasn't there cr- wasn't a i'm going to give you free accounts 
that portion of the email was not, I, was that cut off? That must have been cut off before he sent it. I mean, yeah. I mean, maybe there's enough for one, he said. Um, <laughs> which I might so have, the fact that I haven't seen this email is what? <laughs> I, uh, yeah. Anyway, moving on. Um, so there was also... <laughs> The next email uh, I get from you has a signature sent by a paid email account by right. Missive. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. Mm. I also got an email from Tim Cook saying how much he loves that we talk about MacBook Pros. And I think he might have sent me one of those too. So uh, <laughs> I probably should try to copy you in on these so you can also take part in these deals. Yeah. I'm, getting for this I'm, I'm glad you have our, our, uh, our mailing address there is, is coming to your house. So <laughs> good job. Uh, it's just convenient. It just works that way. <laughs> um, the other thing I was going to mention, Brian, I don't know. Uh, because we're going to be talking, I'm sure Mac and uh, iPhone type things. That's just what we do. Uh, The latest update to the Mac operating system and the iOS operating system came out today. That Ah, is uh, 16 point. Hold on. 16.4 on the iOS version. That's the Hmm. iPhone and iPad version. Oh, that's a full step update then. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. on the Mac it is a uh, version thirteen point three. Okay, now normally I'm not here to sit here and just announce every time another point update comes out on a, on a system update, but this is the one for anybody out there who is a HomeKit user on their devices. This is where Apple has upgraded the whole HomeKit architecture in the background with this update. And I just installed the update really like six hours ago. And immediately by opening up the home kit app or home app on my phone, nothing looks different. There's no interface changes. There's no look and feel difference, but items that I was either having problems connecting to previously, um, pop right up like immediately. And I'm already seeing like a lot of improved responsiveness Oh, nice. The whole home home app is faster. Everything I just seem to be connecting to a lot more things easier than I was before. Now that's my first five minute glance at the new at the new HomeKit architecture. But um, I do recommend if anybody is running HomeKit on their uh, their home network and using that with their devices, I recommend upgrading to the latest update and um, seeing if it might help alleviate any potential issues you're having with certain connections or responsiveness to it. Um, I'm, I'm encouraged already by just my initial playing with it. So I kind of hope to see if things continue to improve on that. For example, there's a outdoor plug that I'm, I just put outside recently. I'm having trouble trying to get it connected to home kit. I'm having to use the manufacturer's app to just control it for now. And it just will not connect to home kit, but soon as I did this update, I look and there it is ready to be configured and I can easily configure it now where I couldn't before. So I'm hopeful that that means maybe some connectivity issues might be resolved with this uh, for any frustrations people were having with HomeKit. So nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's all I've got. Well, yeah. Can I, can I jump in on just a quick, um, mm-hmm. a quick update as well? Um and, and to me, I don't know about you, Alan, but my, my technology days oftentimes, um, consist of, you know, if something goes wrong, being able to troubleshoot and try to figure out what it is. And, um, and I wanted to give a kind of a quick troubleshoot update for people. Um, Wi-Fi, you know, we've talked about Wi-Fi a lot, how to improve Wi-Fi, how to make sure that you're 
you know, your Wi-Fi connection is is solid, being able to use different types of uh, Wi-Fi devices. But last night I had um, I had an issue with my network, which was kind of interesting. In my I was we were sitting down to watch a, a watch a movie, and you know, you'll appreciate this. We were gonna watch something off of the Plex server, which mm-hmm. you know, of course, is using the Synology uh, server drive that I have uh, in my house. Everything else about the the Wi-Fi was working perfectly. Uh, was watching YouTube TV. We switched over. We were looking at Netflix, trying to find out something to watch, and then we decided to switch to Plex. And it's when we we are able to see the movies that we had, and then clicked on one we wanted to watch. And once we click play, we got the error. You know, cannot connect a network. Trouble trouble connecting your network. Blah blah blah. And then so I didn't we didn't think much about it. We kind of switched and watched something else. Um, because I just assumed that maybe my my uh, that I had not accessed my uh, my Synology uh, in a long time, and maybe I needed to just reconnect or something like that. Mm-hmm. But then I realized also later that night that some of our um, Hue light bulbs were not responding. So we mm. tell Alexa, "Play, please, you know, turn on the bedroom lights." Sorry, the bedroom lights aren't responding. And I started realizing that. So the Hue, the Hue. Um, all the Hue bulbs that we have, plus the uh, uh, the NAS server, was they were both struggling. And uh, so, come to find out that you know, I had I had used a number of different ports that I uh, for my for my internet. So, just a quick kind of overview for people: I have internet coming in through my house, um, and that that internet wire or the the Ethernet wire coming from kind of the outside of the house into the house goes into a um, a splitter. So I have a, a time machine, an old time machine that I'm just using as a router. So remember mm-hmm. for everybody that's listening, router is just takes, you know, internet in and splits it across a number of different uh, ports. But then because I don't have enough ports on that time machine, I also have a, um, I have a T-Mobile Cell cell service extender, and I've had this for years, where it will kind of use the internet to blow uh, to blow up my uh, my T-Mobile service so that I get better better signal in my house. And I had used a, an out port on that T-Mobile device for my uh, my Hue uh, my Hue um, what do you call those, Alan? The uh, the little um, the little box that is the one that connects to all the light bulbs. It's like a a little hub, hub right? Hub. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So my Hue hub, right? It was plugged into there. So it turns out that not only was my my T-Mobile hotspot out, it was blinking and not working, but also my my Hue hub was out. <clears throat> Tried to restart the, uh, the the T-Mobile device probably five different times. Wouldn't do anything. I ended up unplugging the Hue, and it started right up perfectly. So I realized, well, wait a minute, this is a little weird. So I took one of the other plugs out, put the Hue in. The Hues all start working perfectly after that. So I started thinking maybe there's something wrong with one of the ports. And uh, just just before we got on, I plugged my computer into the other port where my Hue was eventually or initially, did a quick um, speed check, and the speed of that port was probably, I don't know, a third of what even my Wi-Fi is. So it was really interesting in that, you know, I guess my takeaway is when you're, 
when you're having an issue, it may not necessarily be Wi-Fi in general. It may not be internet in general, that it may be one of your ports. And sometimes those ports are either going to go bad or if you're using an external device to be able to be a pass-through on your port, you know, I've got internet going in and then internet coming out of the same device. Those sometimes can really limit your, your bandwidth and even potentially even screw up your, uh, your, uh, your signal. So to me, it was, it was, it was kind of fun because I got to sit down and diagnose and try to figure out which port was the problem and why, why it was a problem. But, um, but it's something good for people to keep in mind that don't just panic and think, you know, your internet's having an issue. You may need to diagnose and figure out what part of your internet's having an issue. Is it, is it my smart home devices? Is it my internet uh, to my computer? Is it to my Apple TV? Is it to, um, you know, my, my uh, uh, hotspot? So always try to come up with a, a strategy of, you know, unplugging from the wall. I think that's always the best mm-hmm. strategy, right? You unplug everything and then rebuild your network from the internet. You know, wherever the internet comes in your house, let that be the first thing that plugs in, let it start then go to the next step, then yep. go to the next step and eventually figure out where the, the breakdown is. So, yeah, that's absolutely what I do in my situations as well. So there's just, yep. there are so many fail points where things could go wrong. Correct. And I don't think enough people realize that it's the, it's the initial thought of, okay, my internet's not working. It must be a, and it must right. be the, the router, right. Or it must right. just be the, the that yeah, wireless yeah. signal. And there's just so right. many other points along the chain that need to be paid attention to as well. So yeah, yeah I typically do the same thing, bring everything down, start back up with the, you know, one piece at a time and see when the problem kicks in. So yep. yeah. And just to get always, always start from the wall, right? What's yep. the first thing that the internet hits? Let that start up. What's the next mm-hmm. thing? Plug that in and let that start up. What's the next thing? And yeah. go in that order. So usually we'll Good. fix most things. So Good helpful hints from Brian Jackson. Yeah, there you go. The more you know about <laughs> solving internet issues. Good. Um, all right, Brian, you want to get into our bits? Yep, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Yep. The Brothers in Tech Suggestions episode. So here we go. Brian and I both have some bits to share. Um, let's get right into it. I, Mine is going to be... You, I mean, I know mine are, I know our bits are typically you know, skewed more Mac and iOS and iPhone centric. I'm just going to go ahead and say my 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 bits are all very skewed Mac, Mac computer oh. systems. So okay. being a little right. biased this week or this month, but it is all Mac based things. So if you're not a Mac user listening to this, I apologize. My bits may not have a whole lot to resonate with you, but maybe there'll be comparisons on other platforms that would be helpful for you. So. I think, um, uh, I don't think mine is, I don't think any, either of mine are Mac. Well, no, I'm sorry. Let me take that back. Yeah. So they probably are skewed as well, but, um, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) I was just reading, just thinking through and yeah, that's probably a little skewed as well. We had of being opened, opened other (laughs) listeners and platforms. You just quashed it right there. And just that's possible. That's possible. Well, Well, I, I know you said you have Three potentially. I only I have, have two. I have, a, I have a few. Yeah. So let me. You want me to go if first? you have three, why don't you start with one? Yeah. Okay. Um, so let me start with this, and this is a app um, that I just started using. Somebody had recommended it to me, and um, started getting into it. Let me see if I can. Yeah. There we go. All right. So the app's name is Air Buddy, and on the surface, I'll tell you when somebody described this app to me, I said. 
ah, that sounds kind of pointless. Why would I need this? It is uh, for controlling your wireless devices on your Mac. And by wireless devices, I'm talking, you know, uh, it, it, mainly your AirPods. That's where most people think about it. But also it can get information about some other devices you have as, as well. It was initially designed truly to help manage your AirPods on your Mac. Now, you may be saying to yourself, okay, if I have a Mac and I have AirPods, well, the Mac already manages my AirPods. It shows me battery level and I can connect or not connect to it and all that. Well, this app does a couple things. One, it does it better because I do think the Mac is kind of can get, be a little finicky with how it yep. connects to your AirPods or not. This app does it better. And it also has some nice capabilities I'm going to show you. So it is a, uh, you know, you open up your AirPods anywhere near your Mac with this app running. It sees it, pops up a nice little window to say, hey, here's your AirPods and click to connect to it. So it's a much more visible thing that pops up on your screen to let you know, I see your AirPods nearby. We're going to get you connected to them. But you get battery alerts. Um, How many times, Brian, have you been on a call with your AirPods? And even though you could go dig up in the menu and find out how much battery is left, uh, if you're like me, you don't really know until it gets down to the bare minimum and you start to hear the little beep, 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 beep sound, meaning of like, okay, you're dying at this point. Um, everybody does a much better job in getting you alerts quicker. So like, okay, 25% left. It's letting you know, hey, you need to, uh, you need to work on this because you're running low. It does all of this from a menu bar. So as you can see right here in the menu bar for everybody, everybody, I not only have my AirPods, but I've also got any other remote devices like uh, wireless devices connected to my Mac that I can see battery levels and I can do some things with as well. Um, And then I've got some quick actions. Now I have an original AirPods that don't have things like noise canceling or transparency mode in it. But if I did, you could change them very, very quickly from right inside the menu, like right inside that pull-down menu and just changing the mode of how you're using those AirPods to listen. Probably most important, though, are the shortcuts or kind of like little automations for your devices as well. So you can actually script out actions to say, if I'm doing a certain type of activity on my computer make this my default audio device or, or change this or whatever it may be. You can do it at the app level. Say if I'm using this app, I want to make sure that my AirPods always are the, uh, the, the audio device I'm using for this. If I want to see, you know, I, there, you can see the AirPod battery script is listed on the screen. You can script on and say, look, I want it to give me a notice if either one of my AirPods gets below 20%. And then if so, I want you to do this. You can get very, very specific with what you want the shortcuts within AirBuddy to do, which is nice. Um, and then there is a much nicer process for a handoff to another device. So if you well, Mac tries right. to do it, man, it is clunky and it doesn't always work right. But I found this to be much, much more reliable to say, hey, I want to transfer my my call or my AirPods over to another device to work with. And it will do that much, much easier. So um, let me actually just show hmm. you. Um, let's see if I can do this. If I can present the screen, I think I can bring up AirBuddy here. So if I go up to my AirBuddy thing here, you can see up in the top corner. Well, probably can't see it with that little bug logo in there. Let's see if I can get rid of that. 
Well, let me go to this settings. My AirBuddy settings, I've got it enabled. I've got it showing up in my menu bar. Click in the menu bar icon to show a list of devices, so forth. But proximity, so I can say, all right, automatically when my AirPods are opened, I want you to show this a status window. And I can control what that status window looks like and how it pops up. My devices are here, and I can actually kind of change priority, like which one has priority over which other device by rearranging their order. And also do things like, let's see what some of these are. I can create battery alerts off of each of these devices. If I said I want my watch to automatically set off a battery alert, if it gets below a certain level, I want that to show up on my Mac and so forth. I can do all of that. Uh, the little graph lets me see usage stats for each device that I've got connection to as well. And then I can pin it if I want it to be kind of a primary device to make sure that it gets top priority all the time. And that can just rearrange the overall organization of these as well. Um, I can set different types of connection modes based on what type of activity I'm doing on my Mac. So if it's like, all right, if I'm watching a video, I want to have, you know, let me edit that. I want to have listening mode be no noise cancellation and I want the audio input to switch to my system default. If I'm in a meeting, I want it to be transparency mode, you know, and switch to my headset and change the volume to this level. You get very, very specific with what you want your different audio or remote devices to do based on what you're doing on your computer at the time. The shortcuts, I already kind of mentioned that a little bit. You can create some shortcuts and scripts from your own uh, about what you want to have happen whenever you open up certain devices or bring devices nearby. Um, nothing really on the advanced thing. So AirBuddy is not really, you know, it's not really an app, it just I mean, an app that you go in and interact with. It's just something you go in and make all these settings and then it just runs in the background and does these kind of connection things that you want. Again, a lot of this you can do natively on the Mac or with some other tools. Right. Involved. I found that the Mac's implementation of how it connects the AirPods and how it transfers them to other, other devices, it just problematic. The Mac tries to be super smart and say, right. I think I know right. what you want. Yeah. The problem is it doesn't know for sure, or if it's guessing, that guess is not always right. And at least with AirBuddy, I can be very specific and say, this is what I want to have happen when I'm doing these things. Right, right. No, I think I think you're right. The Mac tries to be super smart and says, we, we gonna, we're going to learn what you need and we're going to figure it out and we're, we're giving you what you think is the most appropriate. This is this is kind of nice to. Uh, it's a very nice because you, know, you, you and I have you and I have had this issue right where we've called each other on FaceTime and it it rings across four devices and then we're on one device but have to switch to another device and we say hold on a second the the you know my AirPods aren't working and they're not connected to the right one so it sounds like this is a way to kind of manually override and tell it the way you want things to happen, which is, right. which is nice. Mm -hmm. A lot more granular control, but it is ideally one of those things you go and you spend some time getting set up the way you want it. And then you just let it go. You don't have to go and interact with it. It just works the way you kind of told it to work going forward. So anyway, I've used it for a couple of weeks now, been happy with it. It's worked really nicely. I've been in some video conference calls and I had it set to like what to do when I open up a, a meeting app. And it, uh, it responded right away. So I haven't had to go in and uh, really uh, fiddle with a lot of things lately since I've set this all up. It is about uh, $12, I think twelve ninety nine, one one-time purchase, not a subscription or anything. Okay. Okay. A little, a little more expensive than for a utility than I would like. I'd love those. I'd love for those to be under $10. 
But the reason I'm the reason I'm using it, Brian, I don't know if you see the little phrase here. Also available yeah. with a set up subscription. So that is, so uh, is were, another one. You were on it. I was already a set up subscriber. <laughs> so that was a no brainer for me. So I, I went ahead and moved forward with that. So um, that is AirBuddy uh, controlling your wireless device for your Mac. This is a Mac only app that's meant to do those things. So, okay. So can, can I just ask again before we get into mine really quickly? Give me so. Obviously, you're using um, AirBuddy here. Give me three other apps that you're using from Setup right now, regularly. I, yeah, I can do that right now. Um, I have the maps right here. So I use the app To Do, like the number two, okay. and then Do mm-hmm. as my To Do app for keeping yep. track of internal pro- personal projects. I use an app that I'm going to be sharing as my other pick okay. in a minute. Uh, I use BusyCal as my calendar at the moment. Okay. Um, I use Clean My Mac as my main utility and uh, cleaning yep. up on my Mac maintenance. I use another one that I may be mentioning as a pick. Okay. So I'm not going to take my on that. I use Forklift, which is a FTP program I use for things at work. Mm-hmm. And I use VidCap, which is a utility to do automatic captioning on top of uh, videos so that okay. your videos have automatic closed captioning um, uh, embedded on them. So that's um, cool. all told. I use um, eleven apps out of setup, and that's setup is still about ten dollars a month. Ten dollars a month, yeah. Okay. So yeah, I just wanted to see if that was going to convince me to to go back to setup. It's it's close. I mean, there's two or three there that you mentioned that I could probably replace something else that I have, and uh, it just uh, I enjoyed I enjoyed using it. I enjoyed yeah. using it. I just, uh, well, I'll tell you what's been the solution for me, Brian, is uh, yeah. I signed on their pricing plan. We have a uh, four seat plan that I use for work. So we have four people all using setup uh, subscription. Hmm. And because so many of these tools, especially when I'm going to show you a little bit later, we use almost daily throughout the office. So when you do that, I think the total price we're paying is $16 a month for those, that four seat, if I remember correctly. So that really comes down to $4 a person. And yep. on average, That's these nice. other people are using between three and 10 apps from here. So hmm. that starts to make it a little bit more worthwhile. If you have a group and you need multiple seats, it definitely comes down in price for that. Cool. All right. Yeah. Well, I like it. I like it. Yep. Everybody, okay. I, I could see some use for that. So, well, let me let me jump in with one, Alan, and this one's going to be this is going to be quick. I promise. I'm looking at our time. Mm-hmm. This is 31 minutes. I'm going to be in five minutes, right? I'll be less than five minutes on this. Um, and we will see about that. I promise you. So, if you'll go ahead and pull up my screen, um, this is actually an extension of what I spoke about last time, which was jumping in on Apple's um, the uh, the AirTags. Right and being able to use mm-hmm. AirTags, which I have been very pleased with, and probably would have used them as a as a bit if we hadn't just talked about them. But one of the things that I did mention about AirTags was that I really wanted to use one for my dog, put it on their collar, be able to to at least track them if they were to run off or to get out of the house unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had planned to use just a, um, I've got it here. Just one of the keychains. I had planned yep. to use one of the keychains, put around there, uh, put around on the uh, Stella's collar, 
And then my wife brought up a really good point. She said, well, is that, is that waterproof? Because I don't want, you know, her to go jump in a puddle. I don't want her to, to even just get wet, you know, from walking out in the rain and us to be worried about that particular device. And of course it's not, it's neoprene with a hole in it that is going to allow a lot of water in. So, so I went looking for something that would be waterproof to be able to keep an air tag uh, in place uh, on my dog's collar. And I ended up going with uh, this one that you can see on the screen, which is, I, I'll go ahead and be brutally honest with you. It was, uh, it's not a name brand. It looks like it's Cityway. Um, Cityway's waterproof air tag dog collar holder. Um, but the reason I went with this one, and I'll flip through the images here, Alan, um, so for one, it is, you know, you, it's supposedly waterproof because it screws these two plastic pieces together around mm -hmm. the, uh, the air tag. It's got a little, um, rubber ring in there. That's the waterproof ring that supposedly provides the, uh, the waterproof connection. Um, mm -hmm. but this was the part I really liked. If you take a look at how, let's see how you can attach it. And you see the very last image there, Alan, where it's it's going across the um, across the dog collar. So you can you can take this little strap that's on the back, screw it in, mm -hmm. make it go across the dog collar, or and that's the way we've done it initially because we just weren't sure. Like, are we going to like it? Is she going to be annoyed by it? I don't want to damage the dog collar, you know, if it's not going to be right. But then if you find out it is right, then you look at the one that's right here next to it. Mm -hmm. And then you would actually put the screws through the dog collar, through the mm -hmm. kind of the mesh of the dog collar so that it stays, it's a little less profile uh, or a little less bulky. It's going to be kind of in line with the, uh, the dog collar. So, so far, uh, so far, so good. We've been using it probably about four or five days. Um, I did keep checking to make sure that having this plastic around it would not interfere with the signal. And so far I haven't noticed that. Um, but uh, but this has been, you know, fairly solid. I'd say it's a little bit overkill, you know, with 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 our dog. It feels like, you know, it feels like she's on house arrest. You know, you've mm -hmm. got this uh, this this plastic piece that's on the, the dog collar, but it doesn't seem to bother her either. Um, and she's a midsize dog, not a not a large dog. So yeah. so I would say if you're if you're looking to use an air tag on a dog and especially if it's a dog that maybe is outside a lot. Uh, could get wet. Needs to to make sure that the uh, uh, the uh, the air tag is going to stay um, stay dry. The, this seems to work pretty well. And again, it's twelve dollars, so it wasn't that big of a uh, uh, that big of an expense to be able to get this and test it out. Um, but so far, so far, so good. So so I'm going to to give a recommendation for this waterproof air tag dog collar holder. Okay. Um, which and it looks like uh, you can get effective. different you can get different colors and patterns of the band, it looks like. Um, well, the band does not come with it. The band does not come with it. So this is you go on your own dog collar. I so the only thing oh, that you're getting okay. here is the okay. here's here's what I comes get. with it. I get right. It. So you can see the the two plastic pieces, the rubber ring in between. And then it's got this strap, but it does come with all these little tools, which is kind of nice that it gives you these tiny little screws so that you can screw the two pieces together. But it also yeah. comes with the screwdriver that fits that. I think it's a little hex screwdriver. Um, yeah. So I would say for, for $12, it was, it was a good purchase. Um, sure. That makes sense. And allows us to be able to do what we want to do with this. So. so it says in there in the title, 
ultra durable dog and cat collar. Now, I, I, we have two cats in our house. Uh, one of them does not leave the house. The other one does roam and comes back home. And it always makes my wife very nervous whenever the cat decides to roam because we may not see her for a day. And then she comes back home and she's fine. I'm just wondering if this would work on a cat. In theory, well, it should. Would it, would it work? Yes. And let me just quickly say we are over my five minutes, but that's only because of your question. I finished up. I, I might up have been time. asking a question just so I could say <laughs> that you took longer than five minutes to do this bit because I knew you would. I, just, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my answer to you would be, it certainly would work for a cat, but this is kind of bulky for a cat. I would, I would think it's a bit bulky. Well, you there are some others that I think for your good sized dog yes. maybe worry that it might be too much for a cat. What I would probably get there are some that are kind of clear plastic that just go and purely just fit right over the air tag, like they're yeah. they're really really tight to it, and then have kind of a loop on one side that you can slide your slide your collar through. I think that would be possible. Even air tags themselves, I think, might be a little bit large for a cat, unless yeah. it's a really big cat. My only concern with anything that lets the air tag be totally visible is yeah. I don't I don't like yeah. anything where people can see the air tag right on an animal right. just out walking around. Because I mean, granted, I'm like I mean, these things are 20, 30 bucks each, but they're still shiny Apple products that you know that's people right. can see and be like, Yeah, that looks like something I could take and use. Um yeah. so that's why I like the one you pointed out here because I mean it kind of looks like a little bit. I mean, I hate saying it, it looks like a, a collar, like an electric fence like collar. A shock collar. Thing. Yeah, yeah, it does. So like it somebody does. would look at the dog and be like, oh, yeah, that dog's got a got a fence collar on. Yep. And uh, not yep. really think much about the fact that inside there is a cool little Apple tracker. So uh, that's that's very yeah. true. Yep. And yeah. that's one of the things I did like about it. It's a little bulky, but it is, like I said, it does its job. It's, it yeah. seems like it would be waterproof, although we haven't tested it. Sure. Um, but yeah, so there you go. Uh, okay. I'm going to recommend this. So awesome. All right. All right. That is the. Uh, yeah, long uh, city way, city way, what waterproof air tag dog collar, city way air tag dog and cat collar. Okay, got it <laughs> on right. Amazon. Yeah. Uh, $12, $12 on Amazon, and uh, seems to be seems to be doing well. So, Brian, for my second pick, I'm going to bring up a piece of software that. For the life of me, I feel like I've done this as a as a bits before, but I cannot find any documentation to support that. So maybe I have just been so high on this app all the time that I just assume I gave it a bits recommendation in the past. But I'll tell you what we're going to do. I'm going to start going into the recommendation of this app. But if you throw up the red flag and say, nope, Alan, I've got proof or I've seen that you have brought this up before, I have a backup and I'll flip to the backup right away. Okay, so so you're saying you have you have searched through our detailed documentation and notes that yeah. we keep on every episode, um, yes. before and after our episodes. Yes, those pages and pages of notes you've searched through those. Scour okay, them all. all right. Okay. Yep. All right. Go for and, it. And by doing so, I did a command F. Type in the word <laughs> I'm looking for. Hit return. Nothing came up. So that's telling me Got it. there's no text that says this anywhere. So I'm going to go on that. Um, Brian, I, 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 I do a lot of work in YouTube for better or for worse. Um, a lot of video content we produce, I make, I 
work with, I have to manage is all up on the YouTube channel. And YouTube is great. Like I, you know, say what you will about Google and say what you want about uh, concerns about personal privacy and such with Google. But I mean, YouTube as a concept that they own, this automatic, everybody uploads video and can share it with one another easily and find it and catalog it is a pretty it's remarkable, pretty it's a pretty amazing yeah. situation. I've learned more from YouTube than I probably did in school. I'm thinking at this point, just about last wow. night, I learned how to fix a sink, you know, in my house, uh, an old sink with a very old mechanism. Uh, a couple of minutes on YouTube, found a video, showed me how to do it. It's great. So I love it. Now there's a lot of crap on YouTube, but I mean, in general, I like what I look for in YouTube, but um, there are times I need to access the videos from YouTube while I'm not on YouTube. So let's say if there is a video that even I did and had put up before and I don't have a copy of that video on my computer or I need to download it and get it to use it somewhere else. Or if somebody, uh, if there's a video that's uh, got some uh, royalty-free license things where they say, you know, hey, you can you take this and use this video as you wish. YouTube doesn't always make it easy if they do it all to download a video, to have your own local copy of that video. Some will let you do it. If the actual author who put uploaded the video has to go through a, a series of like really in-depth options and get to one to say, allow downloads. And then you could have a download button on your YouTube window. You click it and it downloads a movie file on your computer, but it doesn't happen very often. And a lot of times people who put up YouTube videos just don't even go through those options to, to allow that. So enter an app that I'm using that uh, everybody in my team now uses about every other day. Um, and it is a app called, let me bring up the window, it's called Downey, D-O-W-N-I-E. It is on the, uh, the, the website for Downey is software.charliemonroe, which is the developer's name, .net software.charliemonroe.net. He has several software uh, packages he's created, but Downey is the one I want to talk about here. Downey is an app that will basically let you download just about anything from a video website. YouTube is the one I think about primarily, but it'll do it for Vimeo. It'll do it for other ones it comes across as well. So the way it works is that when you install Downey on your, your uh, computer, it will act as an app. So let me see if I can bring up the app itself. I'm going to go ahead and just share the whole screen here for you to see. Uh, if I share this screen, I'm going to go ahead and bring up the Downey app. Okay. Looking for, whoop, that's not it either. Hold on. Downey. Okay, here we go. So the Downey app I've got open and you see it's like this little window over here that just floats. So if there was a video, I'm going to go to YouTube and here's a video. Um, yeah, there it is. That's actually a video, an old video that we made. So if I'm watching this video, if I've got it pulled up, I can actually take the URL from up here in the browser click it and drag it over into Downey. And then Downey will just immediately download it into a video file for me. So now that video is on my computer. I can put it in a presentation. I can edit it into something else. I can do whatever. Now I just asked me and said, hey, I found some subtitles 
do you want to have any of the subtitles for your video? And English is automatically selected. So if I want an English subtitle file to go along with it, I can download that. Otherwise, I can just say cancel. But in the background now, you see the progress bar. It is downloading that video file. Hmm. Now, I can actually queue up other videos while one is downloading. So I can create a whole queue list of videos I'm downloading at one time if I wanted to. Um, but here's my favorite, though, is that you can have it install a icon. I don't know if you can see my cursor up in the uh, top bar up here. There's a little blue icon yep. with a down arrow. Yep. Basically saying that if I go to any website now that has a video embedded on there, and I'm just going to say here's a, here's a video here. Now I can click that little blue icon, and it will automatically add it to my downy download. So there it goes, downloading for me. Um, <laughs> it's going to try to get the best resolution it can for the video, but you can also go in and um, let's see. I think in the preferences you can change. Um, you can change where it's going to download the videos to. You can change um, what format of video. Oh, yeah, here it is, about quality. I can say automatically select the best quality, so it'll download it the highest quality it can. Or I can say, you know what, don't ever download anything greater than 1080p. I don't need a 4K video. So you can say just limit it, so it's not going to download a bigger file than what you're needing. Um, there's a lot of other post-processing you can do, meaning things after it's downloaded. If you want to do something to the video, you got some options with it. But to me, that browser extension is what's really cool is just to kind of build it in that browser window. So again, if I'm watching a video on YouTube and I say, you know what, I need this. I need to make sure I've got a copy of this. Hit the button. It downloads in the background. You're done. Um, <laughs> now, I'll say this about Downey. Uh, it both good and bad. Mostly it's good, but uh, a lot of these video sharing sites do not like that Downey can do this. Okay. So they are constantly changing some of the background ways that their websites work to try to thwart this type of app from doing this. That's the bad side. The good side is that Downey is a very active developed app, meaning there are updates happening to it all the time. About every third time I open up Downey, it feels like there's a pop-up of, hey, here's we made some adjustments and we fixed this to work with Vimeo better and we fixed this to work with this website better. So it just does it and it's great. So uh, I have very rarely, maybe one out of every 20 or 30 times, ran to a video that would not let not work. It just won't download it for whatever reason. Um, but the other 25 to 30 times out of that, it works perfectly. So, um, it's a simple little app works great. But if, if you ever find yourself, think about a good practical purpose for this, Brian, if there is a video, even if it's something of your own that you'd put up on YouTube and you don't have a master copy of, here's a way to download it. Or if it's a video that, you know, is something that's not a copyrighted material, it's not something that, um, you know, I'm not talking about like ripping down like full length movies off of YouTube or whatever, but a video that you just want as a reference on how to do something and you want to download it and load it on your Plex server or have it loaded on your phone as something as a quick reference, you could do that and um, just makes it super easy to do it. So that is Downey. Uh, it is software at the website software.charliemonroe.net. Um, sound like a broken record, but it's on setup. And it's an app I use on setup right now. So. <laughs> anyway, nice. That is dead. I love it. I love it. Yeah. 
I don't. I don't know if you have. Ha- I don't think you've had it as a as a bit before. Um, okay. I do think you cool. mentioned it at some point in time, but it is not been a bit. And so, All right. good, bravo. I think that's a that's a that's a great one. You know, there's so many times, even teaching a class, that I think, well, I've got a link here that I need to pull up the the YouTube video, and then you realize the YouTube video. One, you're pulling it up, and you have the ads and everything, but you also have the um, uh, the fact that maybe it's moved to a different place and it'd be nice yeah. to have had that particular video in place for your presentation. Yeah. Well, two more quick things before you move on. Uh, one, yeah, Downey will not down, will not have the ads included in the video. So any of those preload ads you have to click through, even if you go to the video page on YouTube and it starts playing one of those pre-roll ads you have to sit through, even if you go ahead and hit the browse, the uh, Downey extension button, it still is downloading just the video that you're actually mm. going to be watching. So it does nothing with the ads. The ads are not a part of the equation at all. The other quick thing, just to remind everybody, like material on YouTube, if people put it up there, it is something, you know, there's still copyright laws. There are still things I'm not recommending yeah. people download for any kind of uh, profiting purpose or to try to benefit or turn it into your own material and re, re, re-upload it. That's not what this is for. This is for reference. It's like, I need something that is on the internet. I need a better copy of it offline. Or even ideally, it's something that was your own video to begin with. And um, you just need your own physical copy of it now. So, yeah. Hmm. So that's yeah, Downey. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Uh, well, that's, man, you're you're coming you're coming pretty strong here, Alan. Um, well, I've still got one more in my favorite. Oh, I know. Oh, crap. Okay. All right. Well, let's uh, let me jump into my next one, and and I need to be fully transparent about this one, in that I do not know yet whether or not I'm going to purchase this app in terms okay. of this service. But it's I'm testing it. It's a pre bit. It's a pre bit. Yeah, it's a, it's a pre bit. You know, I don't know if it's the B I T S S, the somewhat suggestion. Um, oh, that's right. You did that before, yeah, too. Not but, one of your finest acronyms. No, I'm not sorry. One of, that, not that, one of your the pre-bit. I like pre-bit. I like pre-bit. That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah it's, okay. a, it's a bit in, bit, bit in waiting. It's a bit in waiting uh, is basically mm-hmm. what it is, right? Bit no? in waiting. Okay. You like it? Uh, pre-bits to me is is good. but Okay. All right. We'll, P-bit. We'll workshop this it's a offline. P-bit. It's a P-bit. Okay. We're going to workshop this later. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me, let, me, let me preface this by saying... Um, so you've dealt with email, you know, over several sessions. We've talked about calendars. Have I talked about email? <laughs> we don't need to get into email again. Um, I guess I did. We've, although I'd like to to put a quick, you know, plug in there for if Missive is listening and would like for us to continue to talking about this, it would be great to have some some uh, support on that. Um, so we've talked about email. We've talked about calendars, right? We had Fantastical. We've talked about before. You mentioned a minute ago. To was it To Do? To Do is, is a To Do app. Yeah. To Do To Do app. Yep. Yep. And I use I've used Things in the past as yep. To Dos. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you, one of the problems to me with all of these things is that they are still all separate things, mm-hmm. yep. right? So if I've got something that comes up, let me give you an example. If I've got a an assignment that I give to students and they turn it back in, well, now I have a I have a to do, which is to grade that. To, I have a task, right? I need to grade that uh, that assignment. But I also have a calendar that says, well, here's a meeting where students are signing up for meetings with me, or I'm 
scheduling meetings with someone else. And then I have emails in which I'm doing different things as well. Um, so I'm constantly finding myself spending a lot of time trying to manage my different um, aspects of the, you know, my schedule, right? Trying to figure out a way in which I can make all these things work. And I don't know about you, Anne, I love my to-do app, my, my things, where I go and I say, hey, there's my checklist and I can click on it whenever I'm done with it. It feels really good about it. But it doesn't necessarily help me in terms of when I'm going to get it done. So I, I found an app, and Alan, I don't know if you've seen this one before, but the app is called um, Motion, right? Have you heard of Motion before? No, I have not. Okay, let me let me share with you. I'm actually going to start with their website, and then I'll go over to the actual app. Um, okay, so first of all, let me let me get out of their their main. Here's their main page. So what Motion is. Right, Motion's kind of an interesting service uh, in that what it tries to do is it tries to blend your to-dos with your calendar, okay? And it uses AI in order to do this. So what's what's interesting is that you connect your calendar to Motion. Whenever you go into Motion, you, it's an app. If you go into Motion and you say, I have a new task, right? Let's say this new task is part of my grading project. I've got a grading project and now I have another uh, another assignment I need to grade. You tell it when you need to grade it by, and then it goes and finds space within your calendar in order to block those things off. So if I say, I need to grade this, this assignment, it's going to take me two hours to grade it. And I tell it, you know, I'm okay to break that up. It's going to look for increments in which it can say in your calendar, I'm blocking this off for grading because it needs to be done by this date. Um, you know, if, uh, you need to exercise daily and you're someone who's like me tries to wait and see what my day is like before scheduling my exercise. Well, if you mm -hmm. tell it, I need to exercise daily and it's going to take me this much time and I need my preferred time is between here and here. It's going to constantly look for openings in your calendar going forward in order to block that off for you. And that's something that I tend to do, right? I tend to look ahead in my calendar and say, you know what? I really need grading time. So I'm going to put it here, but I only put it there when I think about it, and <laughs> when I'm having to think ahead, which is, of course, taking time. So what Motion tries to do is, is tries to actually schedule those things for you. So here's kind of a their, their promotional comparison, right? The old way of doing things where you have endless to-do lists, you have manual prioritization, right? You're constantly deciding which one is more important than others. Uh, you've got, you know, over ambitious deadlines and all this sort of stuff. And it says, what we try to do is we allow, or we encourage you to complete everything by putting it in your calendar. Uh, we replan for you. So if something changes, we reschedule it, you know? So let's say that something new came up and that was necessary to fill in the time where you had for exercise tomorrow, it's gonna then reschedule exercise to try to make sure that it happens later in the day. Um, so it constantly is trying to rework your schedule so that you can fit in the things that are really important to you, okay? Uh, so it sounds great. Uh, it sounds really interesting. Um, and uh, and I'm going to show you. Let me actually jump over before we talk about the, <laughs> the, big, um, the big killer here, which is the price. Um, let me... Let me share with you what this actually looks like because it's actually kind of slick. Um, okay. All right, so 
There you go. So this is this is where you would enter in different workspaces that you have. So let's say you have different jobs or you have different groupings of tasks that you want to do. As you can see here, I created one for grading. And within the mm -hmm. grading, I've put a number of different assignments that I've given or I have get, gotten back that I know I need to grade now. And for each one, I can go and say what priority it is. So if obviously, if you put it as high priority, it's going to try to uh, put that one in your schedule prior to everything else. Um, the duration, I tell it what duration I want to do. So I said, hey, this particular assignment, this statistics assignment, I know it's going to take me an hour in order to grade it. Um, the deadline is that I have to be had done by April 10th. And um, in this blockers here, if you have things within the same section, you can say, you know, I'm going to add a blocker that is, you know, always put this one in front of something else, right? Or this is the one that's going to block the other one. So I can't, I can't do this one until the other ones are done or something like that. You can see at the top, I also have some other tasks like check emails, right? This was an example they gave. They said, oh, do you want to check emails every day? And do you want to block a time for that so that you only, you know, are working on it at that particular time? Okay, I need an hour to check emails and I'd really like to have it early in the morning and I'd like to have it at daily. So with each one of these, I'm going to click on one and there you go. So here with this check emails, I can go and say, well, I've created, where did I create the task? What's the duration? I can have a subtask within this area. Um, I can go, I'm going to close without saving. You can go and tell it that you want to auto schedule, right? Tell it that you want to go ahead and have it schedule it for me. Or do I want to schedule it and then have it reschedule if something were to come up, right? You can kind of uh, work some of that in. So I'm going to go over and show you, Ellen, what it looks like on the calendar. So they actually have the calendar built in. Okay. And, and of course I'm on spring break right now. So one of the things that I did with my calendar to make sure nobody would schedule anything for me was I blocked off the entire week and said, okay, this is spring mm -hmm. break. I'm busy. But if right. you look, look to the next week, let's look at the next week. So here, all the things that are in blue were already on my calendar. So when I connected it to my calendar, I said, all right, motion here's my calendar i'm logging in and you have access to it now so all the things in blue were already there the things in gray were the things that i told it that i wanted to do daily or, or build in as you can see here check email is scheduled at, at the beginning of monday and a block of time that i have for an hour i could have told it that hey by the way check emails can happen in 15 minute increments i just need a full hour throughout the day to do it and it would squeeze in those 15 minutes wherever it could. Mm -hmm. You also see it scheduled in my grading task, right? These grades are the grading task, and they are to-dos because they have little check boxes on them. So I can go and check and say, no, I actually already did that. And let's say, let's say I did that, Alan. Let's say that I told it, you know what? I went ahead and I've already actually done that. Uh, that one's done, okay? Well, you see what it did there. It went ahead and rescheduled the other assignment that I had later to that block. So it's constantly trying to update my calendar so that mm -hmm. um, it is making use of the blocks that I have open, but it also knows the tasks that I need to do. So I can really see myself creating a bunch of these tasks and saying, okay, this one's due a, one, a month from now. This one's due two months from now. This one's due next week. This one's here and giving an estimate of when you want to do them. Let's say it's a four-hour thing, right? Alan, you and I are doing surveys together, and we say, you know what? I've got this thing to do. I've got uh, manual entry of surveys. I know it's going to take about six hours of time, but I can do it in you know, 20-minute increments. 
and it needs to be done by this time two months from now. Well, it's going to start blocking those in. And if you don't get them done, it'll reschedule them later. And then when you see it every day, you go, oh, actually, I have a block here. That's what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Yes, I did that part. And then it's going to readjust your schedule going forward. So it's trying to use AI to help you with this idea of tasks working into your calendar rather than you saying, I've got a calendar and I'm going to look for times that I end up having a, a break to try to start doing my task. It's trying to, to weave hmm. those into your schedule. So you can see I have my, you know, I have workouts, right? I tell it I want to do workouts every day and I prefer to have those in the morning at seven. Well, of course, I don't have anything else scheduled at seven. So I went ahead and put them at seven. But if I had on my other calendar, actually, I'm going to do this real quick, Alan. Uh, no, don't leave. Don't leave. What is that? Um, I'm going to go over to my actual calendar, my Fantastical. And I'm going to, where you can see exercise is, let's say, on Wednesday the 5th uh, at mm -hmm. 7 a.m. I'm going to yep. go and I'm going to put something else there. Um, I'm going to put a meeting to see what, what happens here. Let's see if it updates. So I just scheduled a meeting on Fantastical yep. for, for Wednesday the 5th, that same. Yep. Yeah. And let's see. There we go. Yep, there we and go. you see what it did, right? It it moved my exercise and my focus time a little later because now I have okay. that. So really the grays are kind of like they're floating, but they're trying to be squeezed in whenever you have time available. And then it allows you to go in and check and say, yep, I did it. So you don't need to try to reschedule that, right? Yes, I did it. No need to reschedule. If I didn't do it, then I guess it's going to continue to try to reschedule into my That was going to be my so. question is if I got to, you know, if I got to my check emails and for whatever reason something came up and I did not get to check my emails during that 9 to 10 block when it was, or yeah. not, yeah, 9.30 to 10 block it was trying to put them in, is it going to then, if I don't check that off as having been done, is it going to then try to move to the next available block to have me do it or? That part, I, I'm not quite sure. So let's see. What if I said, oh, here you go. So I don't know if you can see this, Alan. So I clicked on the little right button over here and said, you know, I want to add a time to this task. I want to do it later. I want to um, put it in the backlog, right? I guess there could be different ways in which you could approach this hour, which, you know, yeah, motion, motion said you need to do this in this hour. And I think you can create notifications as well that'll yeah. ding, ding you and then say, hey, by the way, you need to work on your emails now because you have an hour block, right? And maybe you can click on and say, sorry, push that back, right? I don't want to do it right now. And then it should be able to adjust everything going yeah. back from there. So, so it sounds like a service like this really kind of depends on making sure you're someone that you keep a very active current calendar and everything yep. that would be requiring your time is on that calendar. And you also keep up with a very active to-do list that can be integrated with um, with this product. Or the, the to-do, it is your to-do list, right? I mean, that's the thing, have, right? If, you, you if you're a, someone that has a to-do list and would like to have a, a to-do list that actually integrates with your calendar, I think that's the key, right? If you want to chart changing your to-do list to being actual active times, <laughs> 
if you give it a deadline. So I have deadlines on my to-do list right now, right? Working through things, I'll tell it, this is due here. But generally, I'm telling it, when do I want you to notify me that I need to do this? And that's what it's doing. It's saying, hey, by the way, this is due, this is due, or this is going to be due, or I'm supposed to notify you now. But it's not really telling me when I should be doing it. It's not blocking off some of my schedule. And of course, this doesn't necessarily block off your schedule, although I think you can I think you can do that if I'm not mistaken. If I clicked over here and said, uh, let's see, status, uh, it's a it's a hard deadline or a soft deadline for that particular activity. What is the deadline? Um, do you want to schedule that for day, night, or during work hours? That's the other interesting part here, right? You can actually have it scheduling outside of your normal work hours so that it doesn't necessarily affect um, when you're going to be doing it. So, I mean, I think there's, I would say there's a ton of promise here. Um, now, <laughs> let me get back to the the challenging part, which is yeah. what do you think the price of this might be? Only because you already flashed up the screen one time at the beginning oh. of your review already okay. saw. So was it $20 a month? $20 a month. $19 a month. a month is a lot, right? Now, that being said, this is one of the biggest challenges that I have is that I I don't feel as though I'm managing incredibly well my to-do list and my calendar, you know, and I'm constantly looking at my to-do list in the morning and I say, oh, I got to do those things. But I don't necessarily go to my calendar and say, let me block off those times to make it happen. And I certainly am not proactively doing it two days from now saying, oh, I'll block off time two days from now in order to do it because I knew it's due Friday. I'm not that actively engaged in that. And um, if this is something that would do that for me, um, and I'll tell you, Alan, I'm looking over at Fantastical and it's included these gray things in my calendar. So they are actually on my calendar. It's not just a one-sided thing. It's not just if you look in motion, they show up. It's actually on my Fantastic head now. and they are things that I'm assuming that continue continue to change as I, you know, either hit them or don't hit those deadlines, um, be able to adjust. So it's interesting. They do a seven day uh, a seven day trial. I would assume this is for somebody. This would be kind of one of those no brainers for someone who maybe is in consulting where they're doing a number of different scheduled things and they've got lots of things going on, or maybe they have a business in which you know, these these particular deadlines may be really, really challenging to keep up with. Uh, they do have a team rate, which, of course, you can save money if you have a team that comes together. So if you now have a team and then you assign it, so that's the other thing. I didn't do any of this because I said I'm an individual. But if you and I were in a team together, I create a task. I assign the task to you or to me. And then I say it needs to fit into one of ours by this time. And it then schedules in yours because... You've got a block and I don't. And I just think there's some really intriguing uh, possibilities here. And it's another good example of how AI can be used to try to make some of these things more efficient. It's definitely interesting. I'm reading up on it a little bit right now. And and Brian, just for clarification's sake, uh, $20 a month for a person, well, $19 a month is only if you pay for the whole year. If you want to go month by month, it's $34 a month mm, individually. Right. Yeah. So it is $228 right. a year for an individual. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, um, but and then if you're a you're if right. you're a part of a team, twelve dollars yeah. a person, something like twelve dollars a month if you pay annually. It's like you go ahead and pay for the whole year for each yep. person. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's expensive, but it is expensive. It is cool though. It is cool, and I yep. get it. And I see. I kind of do this already with my own calendar, but I do it manually. You know, yep. I have my calendar items, which are things that are scheduled meetings, appointments, whatever I need to be doing for sure that I know I'm physically going to be doing. And then I have another calendar also on the same calendar program that I color code that are just my work to do items. So if I know, Hey, I've got this, I need to do for this client and I'm going to spend an hour and a half on it. I go block that time off on the calendar but it doesn't show up as busy time to other coworkers or anybody else. It just shows up to me. So it's a manual thing. I have to go in and kind of tweak that. I'm trying to figure out what all I can do during the course of the next several days, but I have to do kind of my own prioritizing. I got to do my own management of those. This works. This would be ideal. I'm just yeah. can't quite stomach whether or not I'm, mm, no. it's worth that amount of money right now. Um, no, I'm with you. And like I said, I don't expect myself to pay this, but I'm hoping that for some that may have a real interest in this and and feel like, okay, that is the the absolute worst part of their day. And it's something that they need to figure out. Um, I mean, they, you know, their promotional word is like, you know, the the year has 13 months in it instead of 12 months because it's saying you're going to gain yourself, you know, 30 days worth of of mm-hmm. struggling with these tasks right over the over the course of a year um and again i don't necessarily think that's the case it's not necessarily worth that to me um but i'll tell you what i what i do like is just by playing with it it gives me some ideas of what i should be doing potentially in the future you know maybe i should be looking at how can i make my task calendar items and make them more regular um, you know, how can I build those things into where they're part of my calendar? But then yeah. the, the shifting is what's really, really beautiful about this, right? Is that, oh, sorry, someone else scheduled that because I do have that time open for people to schedule. It's going to bump my exercise somewhere else or it's going to bump yeah. something else out. No, the, the shifting is the, the whole thing. Use. Yeah. That's really, really good. Because really even, my, even, even my calendar program, BusyMac that I use, um, actually ties into my to-do items so that if it knows I've got to-do items that scheduled as being due today, it's putting them as blocks of time on my calendar, but it's doing them at, by default as like a 15-minute block. Right. It doesn't right. change the time by any method at all, and it definitely doesn't do any shifting. So, I mean, or, or blocking it around my schedule. So, you know, the tools are there, but it's just, it's that, it's that AI... Yeah, machination yep. that kind of makes it all work together and shift and flow as you need it. That's the thing that makes that special. Is it worth twenty to thirty dollars a month? Special? Uh, no, I don't. If, I don't if this was five dollars a month, I'd be really oh, intrieved. Absolutely, I'd be $5 really a month, intrigued. I'd be, I'd be signed up right now, Brian. I would be yeah, already I think on so. the, the website. Super going. intriguing. Because um, again, the beauty is it's not scheduling calendar events for you. It is scheduling your. It is proposing tasks yeah. to go into your calendar and it's integrating those together. And I think that is, that is a really, really cool approach to it. Um, 
So, uh, and I will go ahead and tell people that, you know, when you go into uh, motion and you start looking at their, uh, they've got some introductory videos, be prepared. It's, they're not necessarily ready for prime time when it comes to that. You know, the, the, the developer, the person who, uh, who uh, put that together, their videos are not the greatest. It's kind of hard mm -hmm. to keep up with some of it. Um, sure. You know, they, uh, they're, they're obviously not spending a lot of that money that you're giving them for, for marketing and all of that. Marketing but, um, but I will say the, the, um, the use of it is pretty slick. Um, you know, if I didn't have Fantastical already, if I hadn't already paid for that and, you know, I had things and I wanted to put both of those aside and now this be my calendar app that actually utilizes task as well. It's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty slick thing. So. You know, I definitely would have bought a one-time purchase of, you know, maybe 40 or 50 bucks for a one-time deal to to have something like this forever or doing a $5 a month. $20 a month is not quite there. Um, so, but yeah. I'm enjoying using it and in getting me to think about what are some of my hopes for uh, yeah. my digital organization in the future. Sure. So that. that's what that's for. Okay. All right. Let's, I mean, it's fascinating. I'm not familiar with that service. I love what they're trying to do. I just want to keep an eye on the uh, pricing and functionality. <laughs> see, of it. see if they come down to, uh, or maybe they send us an email after they see that we right. talked about them and say, you know what, guys, you can do it for $5 a month. Hey, and maybe, Moshe, maybe. Look, I'm even going to help you out right here, Moshe. I'm going to put your website right here on the screen. That's right. That's what I'm going to do. And it says <laughs> use motion. So, to motion, we think your product looks amazing. Yeah, I would be such the happiest evangelist for others if I had a chance to get my hands on your product for an extended long period of time with no cost outlay. So, right. um, exactly. just keep that in mind for, for both of us for sure. Yeah, okay. Brian's pick use motion. Um, <laughs> use motion and tell me how it is. Yeah, use motion, spend <laughs> the money, tell me how it works for you. Like, exactly. Sorry, I just had removed you. I didn't mean to do that. Sorry about that. Yeah, um, Brian, I am going to keep this one short because we're already okay. well past our hour allotment, um, as usual. But hmm. this one's just fun. And I think uh, I, I have a kick out of this. I hope you do as well. Um, I'm going to bring up, uh, let's see, where is it? Oh, screen sharing is fun. Here we go. InfiniteMac.org. That is the website, infinitemac.org. This is a website with fully functional um, emulations of every version of the Mac operating system since version 1.0 uh. back in 1984. So for those of you who maybe are, you know, did not get started back that far, I did. I was a, a bright-eyed 12-year-old with when our, our parents or my father, our father brought home the first Earth. Macintosh computer and I got to learn how to use it. And this is what I encountered. And this actually brought Brian chills down my spine when I ran this because of how accurate it is. Okay. So here we go. And I know, this and I know everybody is surprised about this after hearing that uh, history of Alan, but Alan is married and he actually found someone that, that, would, that, that would go out with him. And, 
Yes, but you know, it only amazing. took a little all... bit of persuading, but uh, we got it. And a lot of Mac talk. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Luckily, I think she liked Macs at the time too. I don't know. Here we go. I'm running system 1.0. Okay. okay. All right. So it boots up. And here we are. Oh, oh okay. I love it. I love it. And look here. I am moving my cursor. I'm interacting with system 1.0 on the Apple computer. I can open up the system disk. Oh, there we go. And of course, you have to wait because, you know, yep, it, I know. it needed time, right? <laughs> I'm opening up the system disk. There's an empty folder, system folder. I can go look at the system folder. Here's all the stuff there. <laughs> oh, God, this looks so familiar. Oh, my gosh. Right. Now I can go in and say, let's go ahead and I uh, want to up. Yeah, back in back in the day, uh, you couldn't just click and the menu options stayed open. You had to click and hold them. And it like threw me mm -hmm. off the first mm -hmm. time I got into this. I'm like, why are they not sticking? I'm like, oh, that's right. They didn't do that. So back it works exactly so, like it. huh? That's right. So I can really honestly just start getting in here. What's in this empty folder? Well, nothing. Okay. Because it's an empty folder. So yeah. I can go in, change that, you know, whatever I want to do here. Let me go read the little welcome note. It's a teach, teach text document, which I remember uh, very well as well. Here's just giving you a little instructions. You can install software onto this. So basically, you can go to a website and it allows you to install into your instance. Wow. Which I've not tried doing in the installing, but I'm fascinated to see how that works. And I'm, um, and I'm assuming your scroll does not work because it's it did not it scroll. Doesn't, we didn't have a scroll wheel back then, right? So right. you had to click had to and click drag. On the, the top and bottom. Yep. Yep. Or in the bar itself. Yep. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. Okay. Now that's kind of cool, but I mean, I'll admit system 1.0 was a pretty limited, pretty limited to begin with. So I'm going to quit out of teach tool te text tool because it's taking up my whole screen and get back to my desktop where I have my system disc that I booted from. And it's still taking a time. Little watches. <laughs> going. And there we go. Okay. But now let's say, all right, that's fine. System 1.0 is kind of fun, but very limited. All right, let's go back. Now I can look at different iterations of the system, but let's scroll on down a little further. Let's get down to system seven, which is where I think the Mac back in 92, it's kind of where I really started using it like on a regular basis, you know. So this is system seven on a Mac. I just see it booted mm -hmm. up a lot quicker. Um, I can open up my Mac uh, hard drive and I can see some different utilities. I recognize all those pretty easily. Disk first aid was the old tool I used to have to run <laughs> to defragment a hard drive or try to make it work right. Um, the menus up here are still not sticky because I didn't get started, I don't think, until system eight. Um, there's a network. This is back when we had initial network where we could actually connect with other file servers on the network. So just wow. kind of fun to play around with. But now um, let's go even deeper down, a little more recently, to system eight. This is where things started to get a little more, I'd say, you know. This is this is Mackey. This is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is definitely okay. Here we go. It's got stickies on there. You can you can play with, mess <laughs> around with uh, games. Let's see what kind of games are in here. See if there's any. Oh yeah, A10 attack. Oh, I remember this one. <laughs> Let's see how this plays. 
Oh yeah. Oh we had yes. This. We yes. I had this. We had this at our house for a while. So <laughs> let's see if I can remember. Uh, quick start. Flying A10. Sure. Oh, emulator error. Oh, nice. Oh, bummer. Bummer. <laughs> uh, wow. Well, so it's not going to play on emulator. Oh, that's that stings. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. No, it's it's jammed up on me. Well, it's just like System Eight was back in the day. <laughs> Um, maybe maybe you it. need to be a little later, system eight point yeah, know, really. seven or something. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, other than mm. me just crashing it, um, that is infinite Mac. I mean, that's all it is. You that's just go really and cool. experiment and play around. Now, I have not tried the actual loading my own software in. That would be kind of interesting to do, see how that works. But just the nostalgia kick it got me. Just saying. I'm so, just how far recent does it recent does it get? It goes to uh, 9.04, so before okay. System 10. Okay. Now, here's the most recent Mac before it got to System uh, OS 10. The most full-featured version of the Mac OS we had before then. All yeah. those extensions yeah. along the bottom. Uh, mm -hmm. Remember those? Applets or something? Were they applets? Is that what they called Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's try this again. There's got to be a game here that works good. Oh, I remember. Oh, Escape Velocity. That was the one. Here we go. <laughs> oh, ladies, Please he's work. taken. Please yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Stud Beef Pile. That is my name. Perfect. <laughs> Internship. Come on. Oh, there yeah. Look at oh, yes. Mm -hmm. how, do I, how do I fire? I don't remember how to fire. Um, yeah. It's space bar, maybe? And space bar's not working. Hmm. Maybe I don't fire anywhere. I'm not really hitting anything. Anyway, fun <laughs> with games, people. This is what we do. Oh, that's good. Anyway, you get the idea. Full That's emulation really cool. of the Mac operating system, and uh, <laughs> it's great. So I'm uh, wow, infinite yep. Mac, infinite, infinite Mac. Mac org. Okay, so who, who, uh, so okay, I see they have a donate to support the project. I was going to ask who yeah. is who is running this. Um, learn more because we, we definitely want to give them some props. It's just a project by Malai Per. Petra, um, yeah, looks like Paparita. a single individual okay. person doing all okay. this. That's crazy. Well, so good for good for them. Definitely uh, awesome. support them because this is fun. We appreciate and, um, it. Infinite I just had a blast kind of playing around with it the other day, so mm. wanted to share that off. Awesome. Well, that's right. cool. Yeah, I think we're good, huh. man. Well, you may have you know you may have won this one. Uh, obviously, I would say. I would win if you actually would pony up the money for motion, but I know you're mm -hmm. not. And I know I'm probably not either. Um, however, motion you may have gotten me to come back to set up, uh, set up potentially. Yeah. I'll, I'll say this. You win the prize for the most intriguing pick yeah. because Thank I you. do feel like that's the one I'm more in, the most interested in wanting to go and look at some more and explore some more. Um, and maybe there's others that are doing a similar thing. And if so, maybe, maybe they're doing it a little bit less 
industry-wide, you know, because this really is, it does say, who is this for? This is for, you know, developing teams. These are all the, you know, the, a number of different kind of higher-end yeah. folks that may may have a big team that need this. But but now it's, it's got me thinking. It's got me thinking about programs yeah. that potentially could do something similar, maybe at a little, you know, lower scale. But yeah, it's slick. So. All right. Well, you get right. the most intriguing, but I get the overall quality. Yeah, award. true. What true. Episode, so. Yeah, you're you're the one that's most likely going to get me to spend money. So, well, Brian, if, if we always invite people if they've got some suggestions of brothers and tech suggestions they'd like for us to maybe consider looking at, or ones that they feel like are worth our time looking at, we'd love to hear suggestions. We're always in the in the mood to find new tech or software, or websites, apps gadgets whatever it may be so brian how can they go get a hold of us if they're interested in uh, submitting some of their own for consideration yeah send us an email at info at the mesh.tv that's info at the mesh.tv and you can also go to our website at www.brothers-n-tech.com and uh yeah we'd love to we'd love to you know, it's it's becoming harder and harder to do some of our bits because we're we've covered so many over the over the past couple of years. So we'd love to have some suggestions from you all, um, things that you think we ought to take a look into and and maybe share with uh, with all our other listeners. So we'd love to hear from you. Great. Well, that will wrap it up for Brothers in Tech and our Brothers in Tech suggestions episode for this month. We will be back again next week with uh, some just general technology talk. Uh, maybe digging into another uh, category or topic of interest. Uh, we'll just see where it takes us next week, but we'll look forward to t- getting together again and talking then. Brian, good seeing you, man. I guess I'll talk see to you next week. Yeah, enjoy the, the rest of your drinks tonight. Although you're late, so I, I probably have some. That's you, you, may, you may be done. It's, it's almost <laughs> my bedtime here, so uh, you got a, you got a few more hours left of your, of right. your day. So. All right. Great. Well, thanks, everybody. Appreciate you all watching or listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Take care. Right. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Mesh an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.